This is Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship. I'm Father Yuri Claudio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning. I'm joined by my friend and teacher, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Well, last week's episode, Father Jeffrey, I felt was a was a it was a doozy. Uh, we covered we, we covered <laughs> aren't they lot. all? They're all doozy. They're, they're all five star episodes the whole way through. We've never had a weak episode, Father Jeffrey. It's been a while since I've heard the word doozy. I, I think yeah. that's a good word. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> you know, we talked about why can't we incorporate like the language of science into our Orthodox prayers? Well, why can't we incorporate like doozy? you know, well, to our Orthodox prayers. And uh, really, I mean, you've just, I mean, no word suffices, we said last time, but yeah. actually doozy comes closest, probably, yeah. you know, God, <laughs> you and everything you do, it's a doozy. It's right? a doozy. Yeah. yeah. If we could just leave it at that, I think yeah. we would say everything we ever need to say. So no word except doozy suffices. Right, right. Um, that's amazing. There's okay. There's there's a couple of things I want to do to recap. We're off track right away. So fast, and we're usually pretty good at staying on track. Um, okay, those three things, those three aspects of liturgical prayer. There's there's anamnesis, which is kind of the remembrance or, or calling to mind. There's the epiclesis, the calling down of God's activity onto whatever's happening, and then the consecration, which is bring offering something to God and God transforming that thing or or whatever yeah. it might be. Um. So the previous, the, the first part of the prayer that we went through last week was definitely fell more on that anamnesis side. I mean, obviously you mentioned those three things, you know, it's, it's not like it can only be one and can't be the other two at any one point in time, right? There's a lot of moving back and forth. These are just helpful tools when looking at liturgical services. Um, yeah. So for example, in the last part of that rehearsal of everything God has done from creation through redemption to bringing everything to its fulfillment and so forth. We already mentioned at the end that, you know, in the Jordan, the Holy Spirit was sent down. Well, that's epiclesis that's being right. referred to. So as we move to this next part of, of the prayer, that's precisely what we're going to ask again, but we've already kind of anticipated it in, in the earlier one. These things go completely hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Well, let's begin just with the next part of the prayer. So the, the prayer began originally with that exclamation by the presbyter. Great are you, O Lord, and marvelous are your works, and no word is sufficient to him your wonders. Three times. Well, now we've hit a point in the prayer where the presbyter again recites something three times. And of course, mm -hmm. as I have mentioned before, we have a Bible study group here at St. Maria's, and one of the we read through a section of the Bible, and one of the tools that we use is is there a repeating word right if there's something that repeats it sort of means okay pay extra attention to what's going on there and that's what's happening here we have these actually in this prayer there's three times where three different sentences are repeated so uh at this point the you know you can imagine the presbyter standing maybe his arms are upraised or maybe he's got a book in one hand he's exclaiming this prayer with great gusto um, and then he leans over the, the font of water and he breathes on the water and then says further, uh, wherefore, O King who loves mankind, 
Come now and sanctify this water by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he does that three times, right? Wherefore, O king who loves mankind, come now and sanctify this water by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This seems kind of very clear to me as sort of that epiclesis form of... Absolutely. Of I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and not only in the words, but in the action, right? The breathing. So like right. our Lord... Yeah, well, this is the, the breath over the waters of creation, right? Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, our Lord who breathed on his disciples, made them his apostles and sent them out and said, receive the Holy Spirit, right? So when the... when when the the breath comes, remember the again the, in Hebrew and in Greek, the same word for is for breath, for wind, and for spirit. Right. So you you never you can only know contextually what's being referred to, and so breath therefore becomes a powerful uh, symbolic expression of the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so you know you can imagine in the moment of creation, God breathes, you know, over the waters in order that all things are brought into order and, you know, um, under his sovereign might and brought into, you know, their, their kind of form, you know, in in all of the, the earth and all of the creatures in it and so forth. And so here we have in this moment of new creation, the, the presbyter who stands, you know, here as the Lord, as God himself and breathes over the waters, this, this moment of creation, and of course, the the title that we give to God here, which is is kind of twofold. There's you know, O King, right? But also philanthropos, the 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 friend or lover of of humanity, of human beings, of man. And uh, you know, th- these things are what come together: God as King and God as the one who is actually close to those who draw close to Him in His family, right? So it's both sovereign might as well as intimate friend. And in that moment, you know, this kind of new creation can come forth. The spirit descends and sanctifies this water. Um, it, I mean, in every aspect here, even a short phrase, the, the triple repetition of it, the action of the presbyter, it's just this beautiful moment uh, that is so evocative of, of the, the story of the scriptures of, from creation through fulfillment. I mean, absolutely. I mean, the breathing on the water is a huge huge scriptural symbol. Um, not only is it, you know, in the first sentence of the Bible and the, you know, the spirit of God or the wind from God or the breath of God was hovering over the face of the deep, you know, of the waters, but it's also when Israel is escaping from Egypt, right. And they, they have to cross the Red Sea. They have to go into the water. Well, not technically into the water, but they have to go, you know, down into the depths and then, uh, in the in the great poem that that's there in Exodus chapter fifteen, God, uh, it's the breath from His nostrils, right? That God blows out, and then it creates the parting. The wind parts the water, and they and the Israel passes through. And I mean, I think we're supposed to see, we're supposed to see ourselves in that in even that story as well, right? Um, it's just fascinating how how these images just keep coming back and and are are. In, in remembering them and in bringing them to mind and, and in liturgically enacting those stories, it brings a new flowering of meaning, I think, in people's individual life stories, right? That you, you, you can almost see yourself walking through the Red Sea, 
right? You can see yourself going into the tomb and, and being resurrected. You can see yourself, you can see Christ kind of breathing on you and, and you being commissioned to go out and be an emissary of the kingdom. Um, that's all. I didn't have a question. I'm just sort of expressing myself. Yeah. No, and you're absolutely right. I mean, people wonder, well, why do I read the Bible? Why should I, why should I make that a, a regular part of, of my Christian life? Well, you've just said it, you know, that it's because that's our story, right? Our story doesn't begin here and now or at the moment of our birth or in our own individual families. Our story begins with the call of Abraham and the remembering of the people that come after him in his family who remember right back to creation. So that is our story and every aspect of it is our story. And what we need to do is to learn to live that and to participate, enact that story, you know, throughout and and absolutely, then every moment of our lives can actually be, oh, I remember that, you know, that's, that's like this, right? And so, you know, here we come up against water. Well, what does water mean? Well, I remember. And that's why this whole section of anamnesis is important. It's a retelling of the story. It's, it's recalling certain aspects that are particularly relevant for what's happening now. And so we should go through every moment of our lives thinking, I remember that. Uh, that connects with this. Aha, that's what this is all about, right? We should never be 100% perplexed about anything because we already have the backstory in which, you know, we can make sense of this. And so we come up with water. Well, is water good or bad? Yes, right, is the answer. And so, well, in what ways is water good? Well, water is good because God uses water and orders water precisely as his creative activity. It's one of the main symbols for that. We saw at the beginning of Vespers too, that the, the, that Psalm, you know, 103 is all about the, the ordering of water, putting water in its right place, making water productive, making water bring things forth from the earth, making water useful for animals and for human beings and, and so forth. Um, but at the same time, as part of this story that's told, that we enter into, that we rehearse, that we remember, water is a destructive thing. You know, water is never neutral. Water is either going to be unto salvation, unto life, unto ordering, unto the fulfillment of the purposes of creation, or it's going to destroy. It's going to drown. It's going to to sink down um, into the depths of the earth. And so that same story that you remember from Exodus and that you retell from Exodus is doing both at the same time. You know, we remember that as this profound symbol of our baptism, right? In Romans, St. Paul draws heavily on that story in telling the story about what it is to be, you know, to die and rise with Christ and so forth. Well, you know, the, 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 that symbolism of baptism, of having passed through the Red Sea and everything, is either the story of Israel that is redeemed, or it's the story of the Egyptians who are, you know, with all the Pharaoh, with all his chariots and all his horses and so forth that sink down into the mud and then are overcome by those waters that are so destructive. And so why it's going to be very important in this very next part of the prayer to talk about, you know, the kind of exorcism of the water is to know that water is neither, is never neutral. It's either going to be positive creative, symbolical, you know, sim you know, bringing together the Holy Spirit and, and all of creation and unto the purposes of creation, or it's going to be 
you know, this powerful, destructive, negative force, the opposite of a symbol, uh, of symbolical is diabolical, right? The thing that divides, that destroys, that tears apart. And so what we need to do in, in calling God's, you know, Holy Spirit to come forward to to make this water holy in other words to be part of the thing that's good we're also simultaneously going to have to ask that it no not be destructive not be demonic not be diabolical not be destructive and and unto the opposite of what we're we're hoping it to be and so both of those things are at play water is never neutral and you would know that if you knew the story of the scriptures which we've you know again in kind of miniature just rehearsed but you would know because you've told that story you've lived that story you've you've indwelt that story every moment of of your of your life Mm -hmm. well let's read i'm going to read uh the first the next section of the prayer here father jeffrey uh so this is the presbyter praying and blessing the water and grant to it the grace of redemption the blessing of jordan Make it the fountain of incorruption, the gift of sanctification, the remission of sins, the remedy of infirmities, the final destruction of demons, unassailable by hostile powers, filled with angelic might. Let those who would ensnare your creature flee far from it, for we have called upon your name, O Lord, and it is wonderful and glorious and awesome even unto adversaries. So this is reminiscent of the language we had in the making of a catechumen and those exorcism prayers and so forth. Um, You know, exorcism, which is always, you know, it's it's a, a declaration, a proclamation of God's sovereign might that there is nothing that can stand up to his name. Right. Exorcism isn't this kind of timid, you know, maybe just maybe we can, you know, ask this demon to to leave sort of, you know, would you please? Um, It's always done with tremendous power and might and assurance that the victory has already been won. You know, it it has to be done, right? Because water can be destructive. Water can lead to all these other ends. You just, you don't have to go very far in our world, even today, and to visit places like coastal places where they know about flooding, let alone about what, you know, about the fishermen who go out and never come back and that sort of thing. Water is powerful and dangerous and to be feared and filled with all kinds of horrible, evil possibility. And so we need to reject that. And we reject that precisely by calling upon God's sovereign might and we know the final victory has been won and so the language is very reminiscent of what we've already had in those exorcism prayers earlier in this one service or earlier in you know by weeks or days um, you know if those were served ahead of time the podcast you're listening to reflects only the public half of the overall project of enacting the kingdom Father Jeffrey and I actively post new episodes on our completely separate private podcast. This private space gives us the freedom to debate and discuss open and sometimes controversial questions regarding the Orthodox faith amongst a smaller and more dedicated audience. If you become a patron now, you'll get immediate access to our growing backlog of private episodes, including a discussion on the ordination of women and the coronavirus multiple spoon controversy. To get access to our private podcast, go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Looking forward to having you join our growing community on Patreon. Now back to the show. The next part has another one of those triple exclamations by the presbyter. But also there's a physical 
kind of rubric. The rubrics tell the presbyter to actually do something, right? So let's maybe talk about both of those and how they connect to each other. But I'll do the rubric first, and then I'll do the um, the exclamation. The presbyter then blesses the water by dipping the fingers of his right hand into it and tracing the sign of the cross three times. And he says, let all adverse powers be crushed beneath the sign of the image of your cross. Right? And that happens three times. Let all adverse powers be crushed beneath the sign of the image of your cross. So, I mean, clearly there's a connection between the rubric and what's being said. It's not just that we're talking about the cross. It's that the actual image of the cross is being traced or, or moved in the water with the priests, with the presbyter's right hand. Um, it's, there's something about enacting these prayers physically that is really powerful, right? To, to, I even remember being a young child and seeing my father, who was a, a, a presbyter, do that. And just knowing in my bones that this was an important moment even though I'd never listened to a podcast with two presbyters talking about the baptism service and why things are important. I just, there's something about connecting what you're saying with what you're actually doing that sort of aligns meaning. So I don't know if you want to take it from there, but. Yeah, no, yes, absolutely. You're hundred percent right. And, you know, and this isn't just the thing that the presbyter is doing, you know, and you know, obviously that's the central act. Everyone's eyes are, are trained on that and so forth. And, and by the way, you know, when we do this service outside of baptism, the great blessing of water or the lesser sanctification of water, which can be celebrated often, you know, on the first of every month or at other times, um, you know, during the church year, um, you know, we actually take the blessing cross, the hand cross, right. That would be, you know, lifted up at different times in the liturgy. We take that and we immerse that at this moment, right. Into, into the water and, and, and so forth. Um, here it's the hand of the presbyter, as you say, it's this very tangible thing, but remember this is everybody doing it together. And so, I mean, this is a good moment to remember what it is that we do every time we make the sign of the cross, which, you know, if you're following the kind of rubrics in your you know, daily prayer book or you're following along in the liturgy of the hours, the divine liturgy, you're making that sign of the cross an awful lot. Right. And so here is this kind of visible way that in which we're asking this image of the cross to crush all hostile adverse powers. Right. Uh, and to know that's the power of the cross. That's, you know, when we say we're, we're calling upon God and proclaiming what God has already done, we're talking about the victory over sin and death itself on the cross, right? And, and every time we make the sign of the cross, which every layperson does, you know, we're doing that, right? So it's not just we're, we'll get to watch someone else doing it here. We have that ability, that power. We have been ordained with that authority. And so let's never make the sign of the cross lightly. You know, people often, you know, sit in their, you know, down in their car, get ready to drive. They'll make the sign of the cross. That's not just casual. That's not just, you know, some kind of superstition or anything like that. 
That is let all hostile adverse powers be crushed beneath the sign of the image of your cross, right? Every time we do that, every time we think of someone who has departed or who is ill and we make the sign of the cross, every time we do that, we are doing exorcism. We are doing this calling down of God's power upon anything that would oppose it. It's not to be taken lightly. I think this is, uh, you know, in terms of participation and understanding, you know, this is one of the key moments and key actions that we can do. And here we do it in this concentrated, focused way over the baptismal font. But let's not forget, this is done often and everywhere and is a powerful image and sign and and sacrament indeed. I think I'll read the last, I'll, I'll read the last part of the prayer here, Father, for all, all the way to the end. Um, so I'll read it and then we can chat about it. Um, so this happens immediately after the presbyter makes the sign of the cross in the water and exclaims that, you know, let all adverse powers be crushed beneath the sign of the image of your cross. And we pray you, O God, that every aerial and obscure phantom may withdraw itself from us and that no demon of darkness may conceal himself in the water and that no evil spirit which instills darkening of intentions and rebelliousness of thought may descend into it with him or her who is to be baptized. But do you, O Master of all, show this water to be the water of redemption, the water of sanctification, the purification of flesh and spirit, the loosing of bonds, the remission of sins, the illumination of the soul, the laver of regeneration, the renewal of the spirit, the gift of adoption to sonship, the garment of incorruption, the fountain of life, for you have said, O Lord, wash and be clean, put away evil things from your souls. You have bestowed upon us from on high a new birth through water and the spirit. Wherefore, O Lord, manifest yourself in this water and grant that he or she who is baptized therein may be transformed, that he or she may put away from himself or herself the old man, which is corrupt through the lusts of the flesh, and that he or she may be clothed upon, uh, clothed upon with the new man and renewed after the image of him who created him or her, that being buried after the pattern of your death in baptism, he or she may in like manner be partaker of your resurrection." And having preserved the gift of your Holy Spirit and increased the measure of grace committed unto him or her, that he or she may receive the prize of his or her calling and be numbered with the firstborn whose names are written in heaven in you, O God, our Lord Jesus Christ. For unto you are due all glory, dominion, and honor and worship together with your Father who is from everlasting and your all holy good and life-creating spirit now and ever and unto the ages of ages. And all, all the people say amen. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you for letting me read that. It's uh, it's worth going through. It's it's beautiful and it, it 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 gives you the whole reason why. Yeah, right? And um and again, we're kind of refocusing like we started very broadly talking about all of creation, and here we are talking about this unique person standing here putting off the old humanity and being clothed with the new humanity through participation in the descent into the depths of death into the water and then being and you know and then being raised up to partake of the of the resurrection w with Christ um it's beautiful it's wonderful yeah so i mean a couple of things just right off the bat here i mean you don't need to go and read secondary literature and go and read, you know, what, I need a book about what baptism means and, yeah. and, and so forth. Let me go and study this. Apart you don't need a, the, you don't need a podcast that, that walks you through. Don't this with you don't even need the podcast because all we can do father Yuri, and this is all we can ever do when we talk about liturgy is just sort of point back at it, you know, um, 
you know, it, it does what it says on the tin. There's a famous um, British advertising campaign for Ron Seal. I think it is a paint, you know, company. So like, it just it is what it is. It, it is what it says it is. Right. And so, you know, what is baptism? Read this, you know, and you, if you doubt it, read it again and read it again until, you know, these words, you know, kind of sink in. We don't need all kinds of explanation or some sort of legend that that makes, you know, what you're seeing and doing and, and, and saying into something else. Right. This is what you would call sacramental realism. In other words, the very words and ritual actions and so forth of what's going on are highly evocative of the very thing that it's meant to be, right? So let's just put that right out there and say, you know, if you ever wonder what baptism is, return to this paragraph and and, and just reflect on that, pray it. You know, in fact, there's something very powerful about people kind of doing something like that, you know, introducing this into their daily prayer, at least once a week, once a month, something like that, to sort of say, okay, this is what I was baptized for. Let me, you know, return and 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 live up to this. I've said the same thing to married couples. You know, if ever you get to a moment of difficulty or struggle in your marriage, let go back to the prayers that were there at the moment you were brought together in this marital union and 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 just work that through right this is what it's for look at those petitions look at those prayers again so anyway this this important point just to get out there and say this isn't about something else this is what it's about right now there are two parts really to the the prayer you just read through there uh, in the first part it's about what the water is supposed to be Right. And the second part is about what the person being put into the water is supposed to be. And so this is just like we get at the divine liturgy. Right. Because the Holy Spirit is asked to come down and to do something. So do something to the bread and the wine. Right. But that's not the whole point. In fact, if that were the point, if that were the focal point, if that's where it ended, it would all be for nothing. Right. This isn't about making bread and wine into something. But nor is this just about changing water into something or transforming the use of water into something else. The ultimate point and the ultimate meaning of any sacrament or holy mystery in the church is what happens to us. When here, what happens to this person being brought forward, you know, for baptism. But nevertheless, the water itself is shown to be something. And the language there is is so evocative of St. Basil's liturgy, right? Where we say, and and show this bread to be, and show this, Mm -hmm. what's in this cup to be, right? But show this water, it says here, to be water of redemption, water of sanctification, cleansing of flesh and spirit, loosing of bonds and so forth. Um, And the important thing to note here is that this isn't about changing water into something it was never intended to be in the first place. I said there's this kind of duality of water. Water can go either way. It can't just be neutral. It can go either way. But this this isn't about water becoming something other than water or water becoming unnatural or supernatural. This is about the fulfillment of the very nature of water, which is as a means of communion with God, right? And so all these things that water is asked to be, and it's the same reason, you know, we have the great blessing of water at Theophany, other times, you know, it's not about saying, we're gonna take this little bit of water 
you know, there's all the water that's out there. We're going to take this little bit of water and make it a different, a special, a unique kind of water and everything. If that were the case, we would never do lakes or rivers or oceans because you'd never know where the special water ends and the, and the ordinary right. water, you know, begins. Right. And, and often I think to a Western Christian or Latin kind of mindset here, it's a bit baffling about what we do in the East because they sort of say, well, where's the holy water? What's the, what's the special water? Where, where you know, how, how do you know? Well, our point, by blessing oceans, rivers, streams, lakes, and so forth, is that all of water is actually meant to be this, the water of redemption, water of sanctification, cleansing of flesh and spirit, and so on, and so forth. And so we're not worried about saying we're changing this into something it wasn't supposed to be. We're actually calling out the original purpose and meaning of water anyway, right? So this isn't supernatural water now. This is properly speaking what natural water is is supposed to be. So the first part of this, this consecration prayer is about making the water into something and 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 really calling forth its original purpose and everything. But then it shifts, it shifts gears here, right? It's about saying, What's going to, what's the purpose of all of this? The same thing in the divine liturgy where we've, we've called down God's Holy Spirit. We've prayed these prayers of consecration, the bread and the wine become divine communion. But that's for a point is the point is not to make, you know, holy things that we can venerate and worship and carry around and so forth. Again, a kind of separation between East and West on this point, because there's a lot of just devotion to kind of gazing at the the Holy Sacrament in, in the West. We don't do that. The point of that is to feed us and to transform us. And so the point of this water, this water newly called forth and, and and made natural as the water of redemption and sanctification is what it's going to do to the one that we're plunging in there. And so there's this whole purpose, as we said, of what baptism actually is and everything you just beautifully read about putting off the old man, putting on the new man, putting off Adam, putting on Christ, the the death and the resurrection, the participation in, in all of that. So it's, you know, like we say in the divine liturgy, send down the Holy Spirit, not only on these gifts, but on us. Right. And that's the ultimate, you know, purpose that that the the very sacrament is not an end in itself. It, if it were, then it wouldn't be a sacrament. The purpose of the holy mysteries is something else, and that's the kingdom of God. That's our participation in the kingdom. And so, so all of this, all this beautiful prayer of remembrance, of you know, calling down God's Holy Spirit, these words of consecration have a point, a purpose, and that that telos is the kingdom of God for this person and for all of us who are praying and joining ourselves with him or her. Well, I think that's probably a good place to end, Father Jeffrey. Was there anything else you wanted to go over before we ended? No, I think that that's very good. The only thing just you know, to say, you know, at the end, we got for unto you our due glory, honor and worship. This is finally the exclamation for that great litany, right? So all of this has taken place. You know, if you're kind of making the connection, you know, because originally this would have been in you know, a Eucharistic celebration and so forth. But that is the exclamation at the end of the, you know, first, you know, uh, great litany, the prayer um, in the divine liturgy. And we here it's just, it's super long because yeah. we've, we brought all this in about the, the blessing of the water and so forth. But it is ultimately that this is the amen to everything that went before, including all those petitions on the great litany and so forth. So. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, Father Jeffrey. And I'm looking forward to next week talking about uh, the blessing of the holy oil, which mm -hmm. will be, uh, has a whole treasure chest 
of biblical imagery and everything going on there. So yes. Yeah, so meantime, go and read the scriptures and find every reference to oil, and you'll make yeah. much more sense. Go go read the whole about. Bible <laughs> and highlight every reference to oil <laughs> and cross-reference them, and then um, and then you might be prepared to listen to our episode. No, no, you don't have to do any homework. Um, but we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Enacting the Kingdom is a patron-supported show, and if you're not a patron, you're only getting half of everything we create. If you'd like to join our growing community of supporters, please go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom. Your patronage goes a long way to keeping this show going. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.